everyone, and welcome to this episode of Selling Gene, the podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Harris, and I'm excited to share with you that my guest for this episode is Dr. Michael Singer. He is the CSO at Cartesian Therapeutics. Mike, welcome and thanks for spending some time with me and our listeners. Thanks very much for having me, Aaron. Absolutely. Let's jump right in. So I want to talk a little bit about your background. Tell us about your professional and, and educational background, excuse me, and then what led you to become co-founder of Cartesian Therapeutics back in 2016? Sure. So I think you've previously had uh, the other co-founder of Cartesian Therapeutics, uh, Maraj Kalayolu, on your show. We did, in a way yes. That makes it, yes, in a way that makes it easy for me and, and for listeners who may have heard his podcast. So two decades ago, the, the two of us were uh, scientists in cellular and molecular biology, trained as physician scientists, but we went off and did our clinical training and then had a, um, a variety of other uh, startup businesses that we founded and worked in. So in a way, this is really uh, a Cartesian therapeutics coming home for us back to doing um, molecular and cellular science in a way that we, we really hadn't for 20 years. The impetus for that was that um, prior to 2016, we had built and sold another biotech company called Topocon Therapeutics. And uh, right around that time, we both had family members who were, who were diagnosed with multiple myeloma. So we started to look at ways that we, we might be able to contribute and Cartesian was the answer for us. Great. Excellent. Yep. Now, back when I talked to Marat, we talked a lot about RNA cell therapy, but I want to get your perspective as well. Tell me about RNA cell therapy and the advantages it has over all the other cell therapies. Sure. Uh, so as I think you've heard, our goal at Cartesian is to make engineered cell therapies available in and beyond oncology. So when we talk about oncology, what we'd really like to do is make these transformative therapies available to patients much earlier uh, in the treatment regime, ideally as soon as patients are diagnosed. That's not happening today because cell therapies are generally very toxic, and so they're reserved with patients uh, for patients with very advanced or refractory disease. Ideally, what you want to do is uh, treat a cancer before the cells have become widespread and before they've seen a variety of treatments that they may have become resistant to. Not to mention that patients who have gone through so many cycles of cancer treatment are, are often just not as strong as they were before. And the cells that you may be using to manufacture cell therapy from them uh, may not be quite as healthy either. So there's a real reason in oncology to treat patients earlier. And we, in particular, we talk about that as frontline therapy. We also want to go beyond oncology. And there we're talking not only about treating uh, life-threatening diseases, but maybe diseases that are serious, but not necessarily life-threatening. So in either case, if you want to treat patients with earlier cancers or diseases that aren't life-threatening, you need a therapy that's safe and predictable. And the problem with cell therapies today, uh, if you look at conventional DNA-based cell therapies, is that they're um, permanently modified. So cells that are permanently modified with DNA have the ability to multiply. Each of the daughter cells looks like the parent cell. 
and they can multiply out of control in the body. If you think about this from a pharmacology standpoint, what we're really saying is that you give the patient a certain number of cells, but you have no control over the pharmacokinetics or the number of circulating cells inside the body. And that's why we see toxicities such as cytokine release syndrome in those conventional DNA-modified cell therapies. So there are a number of possible answers to this. And at Cartesian, our answer is to engineer cells with RNA. RNA is a, as you know, is a molecule that's transient. It's naturally degraded over time inside the cell. And we introduce RNAs into the cells. We're actually able to engineer them and design them uh, to last for particular periods of time that we can control and predict. And so with RNA-engineered cell therapy, uh, we, we administer a fixed number of cells. They don't replicate that RNA, so they don't effectively multiply. And we can predict how long those cells will last. <clears throat> We're also able to re-administer those cells and dose them more like you would with a conventional uh, pharmacologic therapy. So um, that's the basic principle behind RNA engineering. Nice. Okay. I want to mm -hmm. dive a little bit into the clinical trial aspect of this. So as I understand it, Cartesian has three RNA therapies in clinical trial. I want to talk a little bit through what they are and then tell us a little bit about why you chose the specific cells and the modifications for each of these indications. Sure. So uh, I'll simplify the programs a little bit for your listeners today. But um, <clears throat> the, the, the three programs start with one that we call Descartes 11. And this is, a, this is currently in clinical trials for multiple myeloma. This is a CAR T-cell therapy. So we take, and it, it's autologous. So we take T-cells from a patient who has multiple myeloma. Uh, we engineer them to express a chimeric antigen receptor, which recognizes a target that's specific to myeloma cells and then causes those T cells to, to, uh, to attack the myeloma cells. Uh, what's, what's different um, here compared to many other uh, anti-BCMA CAR T cells that people may have heard about is that these cells are modified with RNA and um, for reasons I already mentioned, we're using them to treat patients in a frontline setting. So what we're hoping to do is um, avoid the need for some of the, for all these various other um, cycles of therapy that patients have to go through before they're able to try CAR T cells. The second therapy is called Descartes 8, and it has something in common with Descartes 11, which I just mentioned, which is that it's a uh, it's also a CAR T cell directed against B cell maturation antigen, BCMA. The program that I'll mention here is actually outside of oncology. And it's, uh, we're using these cells to treat patients with myasthenia gravis. Myasthenia gravis is an autoimmune disease. And um, patients with this disease have antibodies that attack their own neuromuscular junction, which is a place where their motor nerves connect with their muscles. Uh, when this happens, patients get a progressive weakness or paralysis. Patients with a generalized form of this disease um, are, have to take often very heavy-duty immunosuppressant medications, and it can be fatal in patients who don't have these medications. 
over the long term, uh, those medications can often be as bad as the disease. They have very serious side effects. What we're hoping to do there is by using the Descartes 11 cells to attack um, plasma cells that are producing these unwanted pathologic antibodies, basically remove those antibodies at their source. Uh, so that's what's going there. And, and we, we did recently announce some very encouraging results in the small number of patients that we've been able to treat so far with that disease. The third program is called Descartes 30, and this is very different. Uh, the previous two that I've told you about are autologous. We're harvesting the cells from the patient, modifying them, and then sending them back to the patient. In the case of Descartes 30, uh, we're using a new platform, uh, which is mesenchymal stem cells. And these stem cells come from a different donor. The advantage there is that we have them uh, made already, and they're basically sitting on the shelf, so to speak, ready for use. And uh, our initial trial with these cells is in a condition called acute respiratory distress syndrome. It's um, This is a condition that's become more uh, prominent lately because it's actually the most common cause of death in patients with COVID-19, but it's a syndrome that has many other causes. And so there's always been a need uh, for new therapies to, to treat patients with this condition. Yeah, it's also very different in how it operates. Um, these stem cells naturally home to the lungs after we infuse them. And once they're there, they secrete two enzymes that help to uh, br break down uh, a pathologic mediator called neutrophil extracellular traps. We know in acute respiratory distress syndrome that patients have these neutrophil extracellular traps building up in the lungs. Many experts think this is actually a, a, a key cause of acute respiratory distress syndrome. And um, we're, we're currently now testing the hypothesis whether this will make a difference in those patients. So everything that you just explained, the therapeutic benefit mm -hmm. of the multiple modifications. So talk through with us what exactly the benefits are of each of these modifications. Sure. So of the therapies that I just mentioned so far, only Descartes 30 has two modifications. The other two, Descartes 8 and Descartes 11, have one kind of RNA that we're introducing into the cell to express one novel protein. With Descartes 30, we're introducing two different kinds of RNA to express two different proteins. And we can do this uh, with three proteins or four or even more. Um, so far, we haven't found a limit on how much we can introduce. And this is a real benefit with RNA. It's not quite so straightforward to do this with other technologies. So um, the, it, it really is very beneficial. So, the, the, and we, we call all of this technology that we've built the RNA Armory, which is a system that we have in our own wholly owned GMP manufacturing facility in Maryland, where we're, we're able to modify these cells, as I'm, as I'm saying. So th the benefit is that we, we can introduce uh, RNAs that encode proteins with very different destinies and functions. Some of these proteins can be inserted into the cell surface, like a chimeric antigen receptor. Some of these cells can be secreted as we do with Descartes 30, and those enzymes diffuse away and perform their job. 
we can do a, a couple other things that are very powerful. One is that we can actually insert targeting proteins on the surface of our cells. Even though we infuse them into a patient's vein and they travel around in the circulation, the idea there is that they'll quickly find their way to a particular organ or tissue that we want to that we want to treat in particular. And this helps us, uh, in theory, provide better safety and efficacy. Um, the the final thing that we can do <clears throat> is is have the cell secrete other factors that effectively um, create an ideal environment for the treatment effect to take place. This can be, for example, by recruiting other kinds of cells to the area to aid in the uh, therapeutic effect. Um, in, the, in, in the future, we can also do other things. We can introduce RNAs that don't even necessarily encode proteins. They might interfere with the translation of other genes. So RNA is really a very uh, flexible field that gives us a lot of different ways of intervening. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you currently have first-generation and second-generation cell therapy. So talk to our listeners um, about them. What do they need to know about them? We'll get to third generation in a minute, but I want to talk about first generation and second generation cell therapies. Yeah, we. It, so it's been a fortunate coincidence that the uh, as we increase the number of proteins that we're expressing, we're also we also see kind of fundamental shifts in the sophistication of the products. So we've we've been it's been convenient enough. We can say that first generation product has one protein. A second generation product has two proteins, and our third generation products have have more than that. But it's not really. I just want to emphasize: it's not really the number of proteins that makes them necessarily makes a, a product more sophisticated. It's the variety of those proteins and how we're choosing them in a way that that really really makes these uh, cells fascinating uh, in in some of the the, the the different mechanisms that I mentioned a minute ago. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about your pipeline. What other yeah. indications are next in your pipeline? Talk us through that. Right. So um, we, we we mentioned third generation a moment ago. I I don't think I'm quite at liberty to say we're, we're we'll be announcing soon our first third generation product. But suffice it to say, it's it's incredibly. Uh, sophisticated in the way it uses three different proteins to accomplish, you know, carry out three different mechanisms that are all really very unified in the, in the therapeutic goal. Uh, but, but then turning to your question. Um, <clears throat> so if I, I already mentioned that we're, we, we have a program for myasthenia. Okay. And the reason we chose that disease myasthenia gravis is that it's a textbook disease where the patient is producing pathologic autoantibodies. So those antibodies are attacking the patient's own cells. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's maladaptive. Uh, the, the way that our therapy works is by preventing production of those pathologic autoantibodies. And myasthenia gravis is not the only disease where this occurs. So we haven't yet announced what our, our next couple programs in autoimmune disease will be, but suffice it to say, we, there, we, have a, we have a good guidebook to which diseases we should be treating next. And a few of these are, 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 are very common and uh, diseases that cause severe uh, long-term disability to people today. 
Um, The other thing I'll mention is you you heard a moment ago that we can insert an RNA into cells, particularly stem cells, that causes a protein to be expressed on their surface. And we, we can actually choose proteins that have a tendency to cause that cell to be targeted to a certain place anatomically in the body or to a particular tissue. So up, up until now, uh, we've been administering our RNA-engineered cells systemically, okay? So we, we introduce them into the bloodstream so that they can have their effects systemically. But we, we understand there's an opportunity to treat locally. And um, so please, please be on the lookout for some therapies from Cartesian where we're introducing cells locally and looking to treat those um, conditions locally without without um, causing the cells to be distributed systemically in a way that could uh, raise additional safety concerns. Sure. And once that data is available for public consumption, I hope you'll come back and talk with us about all that's been uncovered. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. (laughs) Good, good. Well, we're at yeah. the kind of formal conclusion of our of the, the regular part of our podcast. Um, but as you know, from my discussion with Marat and the other episodes of Cell and Gene, the podcast, um, at the end of every episode, I ask my guests the same question to kind of determine and figure out who they are when they're not in the office or the lab. And so I'm going to ask you the same question. And it is to describe for our listeners your ideal Saturday. Yeah, so... I like to start with a visit to the dentist and then come home and do my tax returns. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I think so. Uh, so as a new Englander, I, what I really look forward to, there's this very brief window of time in the fall when um, peaches and particularly white peaches and nectarines and Saturn peaches are just about done. Okay. So they're all, what, what's left on the trees is right. But, mm-hmm. you, you know, this is also apple picking season. And what I, what I really like to do is, uh, is go out with my family just then and get these uh, peaches that you can't get really at a supermarket or, or it's even hard to get them at a farmer's market. These ones that are, cause they're almost, they're almost so, so ripe. You can't, you can't quite sell them. And mm-hmm. that's my, uh, that's my ideal day, like a nice summer day, uh, sorry, nice, fall day like that so it feels like summer because it's still warm but you know a nice autumn day like that go go peach picking oh that sounds wonderful and yeah yeah. i mean far better than certainly root canal or being audited so that's great that's that's right (laughs) i've I've managed to avoid the audit but unfortunately not the root canal Oh, well, and thank you for the uh, for the, the laugh at the end. That's great. I think all of my guests have sort of become understanding of what I'm going to ask at the end. And so the responses are becoming really interesting and fun. And so thank you for that. That's awesome. All right. Well, that wraps us up for this episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast. Thank you to Cartesian's CSO, Michael Singer. Michael, thank you so much again for being here. It was great to have you. Thanks a lot, Aaron. It's been fun. We'll see you next time.